Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. Today we continue our campaign 2023 coverage with an interview with Republican candidate for governor, Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles. Quarles announced for governor nearly a year ago on this program. Since then, he has traveled the state, taken positions on several issues that he would like to see handled differently in the Commonwealth and generally stayed out of the back and forth between the two candidates who have led in early polls. As Attorney General Daniel Cameron and former U.N. Ambassador Kelly Kraft have fought it out, Quarles appears to have stayed out of that fray. Quarles bills himself as a farmer, but is also a former member of the state legislature. He holds a law degree and a doctorate, and this has been an unusual spring season. We'll ask Quarles about what that's doing for agriculture, what we're facing out there. We welcome Commissioner Ryan Quarles, candidate for governor. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it very much. Glad to be back, Bill. The interesting thing is you told me before we started this that you're enjoying this race. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it's pressure every day. It's a lot of travel. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, difficult to, to face up to so many of these issues. What do you enjoy about it? I enjoy Kentucky. I love our state, love our Commonwealth, and I love getting out traveling the rural back roads of Kentucky and meeting people and listening to them as well. As Ag Commissioner the last eight years, my job has been specifically promoting Kentucky Ag, working on rural issues from farming to rural uh, access to health care, etc. And so this, this time around, I'm enjoying it because I get to hear directly from the voters. And for me, as someone who grew up in a tobacco patch, I love getting down the road, talking to fellow Kentuckians. I'm just enjoying the experience and the opportunity. The legislature is uh, wrapping up. Some new laws will be on the books. The governor vetoed some, but signed most of what uh, was passed. Do you think this was a productive session of the Kentucky General Assembly? I think it has been. I think earlier in the session, a lot of folks were saying this is going to be uh, a low-key session, clean-up bills, technical bills. We had a couple agriculture-related bills get through the legislative process. But I do think that for a short session, 30-day session, a lot has gotten done. And one thing I want to do as a candidate for governor is work with the legislature. We've seen a record number of vetoes during the Andy Beshear administration, well over 80 at this point. We need a governor that respects the legislature. Uh, Andy Beshear is suing many members of the General Assembly. He's suing me right now over the Kentucky State Fair. It's a waste of time. And the way I was raised is that you should work with each other find common ground, find common sense solutions, build consensus. And I want to be a governor that works at the legislature and doesn't sue them constantly. Well, the legislature fought with uh, Governor Bevin as well, who was a Republican, so. Uh, I think Kentucky needs an era of stability. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had a governor that had a really positive relationship with the General Assembly. And I think that's one reason why I've gained over 25 endorsements from members of the General Assembly, because they know that even though we may have disagreements, and that's okay, that's, that's fine with public policy making, we're not going to make it personal. Uh, that's the way my mom raised me. A very uh, controversial and emotionally charged issue uh, was the Senate Bill 150, which addresses a range of issues regarding uh, young transgender Kentuckians. Uh, Governor Beshear vetoed that. Uh, the legislature is overriding it. Uh, you have said you would have signed that bill into law. Yeah, Senate Bill 150 has a lot of issues in it. Number one, it seeks to empower our teachers in the classroom. Uh, and number two, I think that it, it allows uh, parents as well as uh, 
as well as our families to have a conversation. But I think that gender reassignment surgeries uh, should be illegal for minors and children in Kentucky. Uh, look, I'm a small government conservative guy that for me, I think that uh, once you turn 18, it's your basic right as an as a American to do what you want. But I think that this is about children and I would have signed the bill into law. And secondly, let's not forget, this, this bill also allows protections for our teachers uh, to be able to be protected for things they may not believe in in the classroom. Uh, Bashir, uh, in his veto message, said uh, that this is putting big government in charge of uh, decisions uh, over what may be a parental decision. I think this is about protecting children. Uh, I have a, a nephew and niece, young folks, and I talk to parents constantly on the campaign trail. I think most Kentuckians uh, would agree that, uh, that this is bill, this idea is about protecting our children from irreversible uh, procedures, procedures that also would cause someone to become sterile for the rest of their lives, etc. And again, I think that uh, once you turn 18, uh, do what you want in life, but I think that this bill is not just about protecting children, but it's also about empowering teachers in the classroom. Education Commissioner Dr. Jason Glass has been in opposition to some of these uh, bills. Uh, there have been some calls in the legislature this week uh, for him to uh, resign or, or be replaced. Uh, do you have a stance on uh, Dr. Commissioner Glass? I do. As governor, we're going to appoint a board of education that has not just current teachers, but also parents as well. I think that there's a big movement across America to make sure that we have more parental discretion, that parents should have a say-so in what their kids are being exposed to in the classroom. Uh, teachers need empowerment right now. They're trying to teach and also raise other people's kids right now as well. And, and secondly, I want to make sure that we appoint employers on the Board of Education. I think there's a big disconnect between what's being taught and what employers are looking for right now. And so for me, I want to appoint a Board of Education, which the commissioner reports to, that includes people who have kids in the system, current teachers, retirees, but also employers as well. You're a, a, you know, a government expert with, uh, with degrees in this, with uh, lots of experience in, in the two branches of, of the government. Uh, you know, when you look at the local decisions versus the state decisions, uh, it seems to be, well, if somebody believes in one thing, <laughs> then they can get the state to go that way, that, that that's the way they think the decision should be made, but if not, then it's a local decision whatever the subject. And that's part of being part of government is that uh, from whether it's state, local or federal issue, that's where I think I'll be an effective executive officer, an effective governor, because I want to work with our local officials. Uh, and for instance, and let's not forget about the federal government, we're pushing back against Biden's EPA right now because it would affect local farmers in Kentucky. And so I think that I've got the tone and tenure to uh, be a responsible governor, one that's not going to go out there and pick fights and throw grenades every day, but one that's going to be a fighter for our state regardless of somebody's political background. And I value the relationships that I've built over the past 13 years as a legislature and as ag commissioner, particularly with our local elected officials. And we have over 230 endorsements of elected Republicans across Kentucky, including over one-fourth of our judge executives, mentioned 20-plus members of the General Assembly, but also well over 100 magistrates across Kentucky. And I can tell you this, our local officials, particularly in rural Kentucky, are begging for a governor that's going to, number one, respect them, number two, return their phone calls, and number three, a governor that's going to share the credit 
and not take the credit for everything. Let's talk about uh, some of the scrapping uh, that is going on that you say you're trying to stay out of. Uh, we've noted that uh, Kraft and Cameron have been going after each other, each accusing the other of siding with Democrats to one extent or the other. A have you intentionally tried to stay out of their back and forth? Well, the way I look at it is that uh, everyone in this race are my friends. There's 12 of us in this Republican primary. It's unprecedented. They're my friends before the primary, and they're going to be my friends after the primary. So I'm focused on nobody's race but my own. I'm spreading a positive vision for our state, one county at a time. And that's the way that I was raised, but I also think that that uh, makes for good campaigning as well. And we're going to continue with uh, just six-plus weeks left in this primary to travel Kentucky. And so I'm not worried about what other candidates in the primary are doing. I'm just focusing on our race. Kraft and her pack are owning the airwaves. Uh, and so they're able to reach tens of thousands of people at a time with a message. Do you fear that if you're not involved in, in that uh, uh, discussion and those ads and, and that sort of thing that, uh, that you fight for relevance? Well, I think that our grassroots support is unmatched by anyone in this race. And I think that that's how you win a crowded primary, one that's going to have low turnout. We think there's only going to be about 300, 325,000 total Republicans vote on the May 16th primary. And so for me, I've got eight years of a proven track record being an effective executive officer, a conservative leader that's cut the budget five times, we're doing more with less. And so I'm gonna leave it to the voters. And one thing I've done is that I've traveled our state. I'm jokingly telling people I'm visiting every county twice and every Dollar General store once across Kentucky. So you know a lot of stops ahead of us. But I think our advantage in this race is no secret is that we are the grassroots people's first campaign. I'm proud of the work that we're doing, and we will get up on the airwaves, but for me, call me old-fashioned, but I'm a retail guy. I like to go out and shake hands and ask people directly for their votes. If you do just a little division of 325,000 votes, you're saying something like that. I mean, you're saying 50 or 60,000 votes are going to win this nomination or could. Probably a little bit more than that. And if you look historically at Republican primaries on these off-year elections that Kentucky has, you don't need a lot of votes to earn the primary nomination. So we're going to have enough votes, and we're going to have the budget that wins on May 16th. Kraft named a running mate, even though uh, the law no longer requires that picking of state Senator Max Wise. Is there a chance you'll name a running mate before the primary? There's always a chance, and that's part of the campaign strategy. That Are you talking to anybody? Uh, we're talking to folks that are interested, but our campaign strategy is one of the few things that we're able to keep to ourselves right now. But I'm looking forward to building the strongest ticket possible to not just win the primary, but win the general election in the fall, because this will be a hotly contested race. There's only three governor's races in the country this year, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Kentucky. And a lot of people view the Kentucky governor's race as the litmus test leading up to the presidential race. And so I'm focused on no one's race of my own, and we're going to build out a ticket that has the best chance possible winning this fall. You recently called for a full court press on vocational and trade programs and keys scholarships to be made available for uh, the trades. Uh, we recently talked to uh, Dr. Aaron Thompson on the Council of yeah. Post-Secondary Education who says he can't figure out what young men in particular are doing. They are in, you know, they're not going to college in the numbers they used to and they're not entering the workforce. What's happening? Well, I'll tell you what happened in my household. We grew up working, and I'm so thankful uh, that I had a dad that put us to work and a mom who's a public school teacher, and I want to put that education doctorate of mine to work. I think that if we want to promote our vocational trade programs, we need to do it at an earlier age. I'm talking not high school, I'm talking middle school. If we find out there's a student 
like myself that like to work on engines or build Legos or come home with their hands dirty, let's make sure that we expose them to the jobs. And here's how we do it, is that we have to reset the clock and the attitude about jobs in Kentucky. We need to return to that dignity of work attitude that my grandfather had when he came back from World War II. That we need to say, if you have a job where you get your, birds, uh, your, your boots dirty or come home with grease on your elbows, those jobs are just as important as white collar jobs downtown. And guess what, they pay well. Just up in Fleming County, Kentucky, every month there's a welding school where a 20, 20 year old student graduates with a starting salary of $100,000 a year. And that's how we not only increase our workforce participation rate in our state, which is dismal right now, just over half of able-bodied Kentuckians are work, actually working right now. And I think our vocational and trade programs are part of that solution to get our workforce participation rate up. And plus, that's what employers are looking for right now. Do we need more people to move to Kentucky? Some say that's gonna to have to be the answer. I, I'm a big believer in our jobs. state <laughs> that I think there's a lot of folks in our state, if they're just, if they get the training and are exposed to the salaries and uh, the uh, job opportunities they have, a lot of folks, I think, I would hope, would want to work here. But yes, uh, I think we're in a growth mentality. We need a governor that thinks about growth. And it starts with not only our education system, but also infrastructure. So, so we're at 56% workforce participation. That's right. You think you can raise that? I think we have to raise it. We have no choice to. You know, I don't like ranking low in, low in our ratings. And you got to stop and think about it. The Bashir family has been in control of our state between Steve Bashir and Andy Bashir in some capacity for 24 years. And what has happened? Our pensions have gotten weaker. Our education ratings really haven't gone up a whole lot. And our ratings as a state, like workforce participation rate, could be argued, has gotten worse. We need to try something different. And for me, it's about benefit reforms. We shouldn't pay people to sit at home and watch Netflix all day. We as taxpayers are paying for that. Number two, it's our education plan about workforce development, vocational, skilled trade jobs as well. And then number three, on day one, the day I'm inaugurated, we are going to appoint a task force that works with uh, that's zoned in on workforce participation solutions. So it's not just one thing. This is a cultural aspect that I think is going to take some years to fix. We're losing at least six Kentuckians a day to overdoses. Yeah. Uh, this is a problem that has uh, gotten worse in recent years. Uh, is there something we're not doing in the, uh, you know, in the, in the fentanyl and drug realm that c can be done? I think so. I think that we need to have a chief executive that's going to work with the General Assembly to say that drug dealers, if you're caught selling poison in our, in our commonwealth, there will be consequences, meaning you will go to jail. And plus, I think, when, especially when it comes to fentanyl, I think that we can introduce legislation where people can be charged with felony accounts, I mean, excuse me, homicide, uh, for s selling such a potent and deadly drug. But secondly, Bill, I want to be a second chance governor. I think that everyone knows someone who's suffered through the scourge of addiction, including myself. We all know folks. I want to be a governor that says we should let and give the resources to people who want to go through recovery that second chance so they can rejoin the labor workforce. I know it doesn't work for everybody, but I think we need to have serious consequences for drug dealers. Number two, a second chance mentality, get people back in the workforce. And number three, we not, may not be a border state, but we have border state problems. As governor, I'm going to call up Governor Abbott down in Texas and say, how can we be helpful? 
Do you need our assistance with, with Kentucky National Guard, et cetera, et cetera? What can we do as a regional multi-state approach to stop fentanyl from getting into our community? Governor Bashir says he took steps in 2020 to save lives by closing businesses, limiting the size of gatherings, and requiring masks in most public places. Uh, you were critical of him then, and you are now. Uh, of course, future governors have been stripped of a lot of emergency authority by the legislature, but would your approach have been different in the early days of uh, no vaccine yet in the pandemic? Absolutely. Step number one, I would have picked up the phone and talked with people instead of making all the decisions all by myself. That's one of the biggest criticisms of Andy Bashir is that he's a committee of one. When he shut down Main Street, Kentucky, but big box stores like Walmart got to stay open, that wasn't fair. I would have listened to people and say, hey, if the big box stores can figure out CDC guidelines, I think Main Street Kentucky is smart enough to do that as well. He kept our kids out of school longer than necessary. Now our test scores have gone down. And he violated our rights as Kentuckians, as Americans, when he ordered state troopers to go to churches on Easter Sunday and write down license plate numbers. Just because we live through a once-in-a-century global pandemic doesn't mean that our rights, freedoms, and liberties should be stripped away and tossed out the window. I would have been a governor during COVID that I think would have taken more of a Ron DeSantis approach, saying we can chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. We can keep the economy open as well have adequate public safeguards. And I think that the data suggests that. And let me just remind you of one thing. When he shut down family-owned restaurants and family-owned agribusinesses, like an orchard just up the road here, and said you can only have 10 people on your property outside at a time, but yet the same day he allowed Kentucky Kingdom in Louisville to have over 16,000 people on their property at one time, that wasn't fair. And that's why I took the governor to court. And due to the efforts of our office, we kept over 500 family-owned Kentucky Proud agribusinesses open during the COVID shutdowns. I have a spine. I don't mind uh, sticking up for what I believe is right. And I think that a lot of businesses are gone forever due to his COVID shutdowns, especially in our restaurant community. Well, we get some uh, feel for where you're going in this governor's race in a moment. We'll ask a couple of agriculture questions before we go. Ryan Quarles is with us. He's a Republican candidate for governor. He's the state ag commissioner. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. We're visiting with Ryan Quarles. He's a Republican candidate for governor in a crowded field of some 12 candidates. Uh, nobody's ever been elevated from agriculture commissioner to the governor's office. Is it a good platform to run from? I think so. I think rural Kentucky, I think, will say that I've done a great job as ag commissioner and that I've earned the trust. We make great inroads in our urban communities with our farmers markets and farmer school programs. So uh, I don't want to be defined by an office. I want to be defined as my views as a candidate. I encourage viewers to go on ryanquarles.com to explore those. And one thing that we're doing is that we're actually offering bold ideas every single week that'll help improve Kentucky, whether it's a tax plan, uh, whether it's our views on tourism in Eastern Kentucky, which just came out. We wanna give voters some substance to chew on when they select their nominee. Some of those things though have been works in progress, right? I mean, the legislature has done a lot on inheritance tax uh, in recent years. You. You have said you want to finish that job. Absolutely. I mean, whenever there is a punitive tax that destroys family businesses, when 30 plus other states have already gotten rid of it, let's finish the but, job. But, but children are exempt, spouses are exempt. There's plenty, uh, of, there's plenty of examples where a, an inheritor of, say, a family-owned business like an Ace Hardware on Main Street, Kentucky, 
could get caught by the death tax. And so let's be pro-business. Let's finish out our journey towards a 0% income tax in Kentucky. And as governor, I will propose a budget this December that returns 100% of all coal severance monies back to the counties from which they came from. Would you propose a raise for teachers? I think that's correct. I think that they deserve a raise right now. You know, state government employees just got a 6% raise this year. They got an 8% raise last year. As the son of an educator, uh, my mom spent 30 years in the classroom. And as somebody who's taught uh, myself, I know that we need to increase pay, but we also need to increase the environment in the classroom. Because it's not just about retainment of teachers, it's also the recruitment of teachers. We're seeing the same thing in law enforcement right now particularly in Lexington and Louisville as well. We've got to make sure that we have a work environment where people uh, enjoy their jobs, which is why I'm a big believer in making sure that state government, whether it be uh, in Frankfurt or among the merit system, that needs reformed as well. So we have an attractive place to work, which not only includes compensation, but secondly, is a great place to work. Well, there have been major hikes for law enforcement in, in pay, and it's working. That's and, right. You the know. Republicans in the legislature have stood up and, and shown their support for law enforcement and gave them a much-deserved uh, raise. We, we clearly see the same issue exists in education, mm -hmm. and nothing has happened there. Well, I think that's the difference between Andy Bashir and myself. Andy Bashir promised these teachers pay increases on the campaign trail. His relationship with the legislature is so sour and so bad right now, and he's making it worse with every veto that he signs, that he doesn't have the, the political leverage or capital, so to say, to get much done in Frankfurt. I'm going to be the exact opposite. I've gotten sometimes a dozen bills passed in one legislative session as Ag Commissioner, sometimes a half dozen. Uh, and so for me, I think I'm going to have a good working relationship with our men and women, our public servants of both parties right now as, as governor. And guess what? When we pass legislation through agriculture, it almost always gets unanimous support from both political parties. Well, you would argue then the balance of power is not important in Frankfurt, right? I mean, I think, you, I have, think, you, have, I think a, you have a checks and balance uh, going on at this point, right? Well, the checks and balances were, were set up with three branches of government, period. And so not one person, unlike Andy Bashir, that if he disagrees with you, he takes you to the courtroom. So he's trying to be the judicial branch, executive, and when the General Assembly is not in session, he's trying to be the legislative branch too by putting out uh, regulations that are contrary to legislative intent. What I think we need is something that my mom taught me when I was a little kid, that a spoonful of honey goes a lot further than a jar of vinegar. We need a governor that wants to work with people not sue people left and right. All right, a few seconds left. Uh, we've had a lot of recent tough weather and unusual winter and spring so far. How do the crops look at this point? Well, a lot of our farmers are picking up damage across their farms with this wind storms. And let's not forget our friends in eastern Kentucky with the floods. And there's still tornado damage out there in western Kentucky. We lost the roof off three tobacco barns uh, on our farms up in Scott County. But right now, the farmers are getting out in the field. They're getting ready for a robust planting season. And I'd like to remind our viewers, please share the road with farmers. Uh, I know it's frustrating getting behind a slow-moving tractor, but they want to get home safely to their families just like you do as well. And there's no better time to visit a farmer's market than right now. Ryan Quarles, thanks for coming by. Appreciate thanks, it. Bill. Stay with us now. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. 
Before we go on Kentucky Newsmakers, an interesting piece from this week on WKYT News. A longtime Lexington restaurant is under new ownership. Charlie Brown's has been a staple in the Chevy Chase area for nearly 50 years. It's now in the hands of new owners. And WKYT's Samantha Valentino and photojournalist Darnell Crenshaw talked with them about their plans for that Lexington landmark. When I was in college, that's what we drank here. We drank oh, white yeah. If you're going to drink a white Russian, this is where you oh, would go yeah. to get it. On Tuesdays at noon, friends Mark Bell, David Perry, Larry Jenkins, and John Lovern. There's never been a run-first quarterback in the modern era of the NFL. Gather for lunch at Charlie Brown's and talk about everything. They've been regulars since the 70s, their UK college days. Poker's about the only thing I bet on. The Euclid Avenue restaurant's mood is dim, eclectic, laid back, and they want to keep it that way. This is socializing. Charlie Brown's has new ownership. Chris Beeler and two other owners are in charge. After 50 years in business, will there be any change? We're not changing anything. The menus all stay in the same. Um, the interiors all stay in the same. We don't want to change anything at all. You know, the restaurant's been open for 50 years, and... Uh, that's a good enough reason not to change anything. After 40 years of managing and serving tables at Charlie Brown's, previous owner David Fuller is hanging up his apron. 40 years he was just ready to retire. He's in his 70s now and it's a good time for him to take it easy. Fuller has left a legacy behind, including a thousand books that surround the restaurant. Once in a while, um, you know, people leave notes in them. Um, there's been money found in a bunch of the books. Yes, I, I've read most of these books. <laughs> there are probably some interesting titles here, but uh, yeah, I come for the food. Bell says the only change he's seen here are the new TVs, and he's okay with that. Uh, it's a big deal for, for the regulars that have been coming here for decades that uh, things stay the same. A lot of places change. This is a constant. At Charlie Brown's, the mood is upbeat, and no one here is saying, oh, brother. In Lexington, Samantha Valentino, WKYT. And we're told that the previous owner, David Fuller, although he's retired, does pop in from time to time there at Charlie Brown's. All right, the 2023 legislative session, as you know, is over, and it was very busy on that very last day of the session Thursday. Medical marijuana was legalized. Sports betting has also been approved, and a compromise on the bourbon barrel tax uh, rollback also uh, passing the state legislature, all of that uh, being sent to Governor Bashir. Commerce Lexington Bob Quick is one of our scheduled guests on next week's edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. That's our program for this week. Thank you for joining us and have a good week ahead.